0: Edgy T-Saw, show four, take take two. two. Hey y'all, welcome back to the show. Sorry about last week. Um, This is round two for us, so it's all deja vu all over It is. Everything old is new again, so uh, here we go. Uh, My name is Scott Chenal, and I'm Scott Duarte. Welcome to the show. And thank you for putting up with us from uh, last week. We uh, think we have the microphone situation handled. Hopefully we'll have the computer (laughs) (laughs) handled now. The recording skills part, not so much. (laughs) All right, so um, what, what are we talking about this week?
1: Well, the last three podcasts have all been about lifestyles and what to expect as an ELT teacher, um, but we are shif- shifting focus on to uh, what works in the classroom and theory behind what's working and what doesn't work and how that affects uh, you as a teacher and the students. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so today, we are going to be looking at uh, teacher-centered uh, teaching. <laughs> <laughs> Teacher-centered classrooms, classrooms and student-centered classrooms. classrooms. And if it's truly realistic to have a student-centered classroom in an EAP situation. Yeah,
0: yeah. Um, so let's, uh, let's take a look at uh, what is student-centered, what is teacher-centered. Um, he points at me. Uh, so the, the best way to look at it is uh, whoever is, it is that centered that person or group of people, of course, is the most important person in the room. So for a teacher-centered classroom, the teacher is the most important body in the room.
1: Examples of this would be just standard lecture
0: yep. type classes. Everything that you remember from high school and uh, elementary school, most likely teacher-centered
1: stuff. And a lot in university and, as well. Yeah,
0: a good chunk. Um, for student-centered stuff, that's where the students are doing pretty much everything. The student, The teacher comes in as a guide. The the teacher's not the one in control of the classroom could be chaos. The students are one are the ones who are directing their own learning and uh, moving the class forward. Prime example of this would be
1: PE. Yes. Except for on dodgeball days when the teacher always took part in it. I don't know why.
0: Your teacher took part in your dodgeball? No, but I just thought I'd throw ah! that out there. <laughs> Abuse. All right. So um, yeah, these are main the main points for um, teacher-centered and uh, student-centered class. I mean, that's defined. Um, let's uh, give our email, because I'm sure at some point over the next uh, little bit of time... We'll piss you off, and, and you'll
1: want to uh, get in touch with us. Yep,
0: so my email is scott at o r g. That's scott at education.org.
1: And my email is s-c-o-t-t-d-u-a-r-t-e at education.org, Scott Duarte at education.org.
0: Cool. So please send us uh, your email, your feedback. If there's some activity that you know of that we don't know of that we kind of blew off for whatever um, situations that we're going to talk about. Uh, and you're like, no, I have a great student-centered activity for that particular thing, please, please, please send us an email, let us know, and we'll share it with everybody else.
1: But, um, yeah, that's, no, we definitely will do that. But the focus will be not using activities, but having the whole class be totally student-centered, mm-hmm. which I say cannot be done. I'll, I'll be the, the rat fink out so there. I and thought I was, uh,
0: thought I was supposed to be next to you this time. Well, yeah, but <laughs> no,
1: I'll, I'll look for the, the hate. That's fine with right. me. Right. Um, I say it can't be done. Not for an English for academic purposes uh, classroom. Mm-hmm. Uh, when you're, you're teaching conversation, yes, easily. And when I was teaching <coughs> um, at the Korean foreign language high school and all I was doing was conversation, it was... Terrifically student-centered. I would uh, give a little mini lesson for maybe 5, 10, 15 minutes tops, usually mm-hmm. 10 minutes, and then set it upon the students. Um, but granted, my students, they weren't fluent by any means, but they were intermediate, I would say, to some of them being high intermediate. Mm-hmm. And they could handle that. hmm
0: hmm so for a conversation class, I would agree. It's <clears throat> it's possible to get the, uh, the percentage of how much of the class is student-centered. If you're not above 75% constantly, then uh, you probably need to look at what it is that you're doing.
1: And just review current literature and theory out there. I mean, student-centered classrooms um, have been... I wouldn't, I don't want to say in style, but that's kind of. been the focus for the past 10 to 15 years. Yeah, yeah. That's what they're teaching in um, TESOL programs in university. That's what they're teaching at the one month teacher uh, TESOL certificate programs.
0: Yeah, yeah. Um, what, a, well, okay, so conversation is, is a pair of skills, right? First, you got to speak and then you got to listen. So in speaking, speaking or listening classrooms, you should be able to get, or you can get, or you can find things that will allow you to keep your class primarily student-centered. Um, what about the other half of the ballgame, the reading and writing? Exactly. Um, there comes points
1: when the teacher just has to take control and has to give, and this could be 15, 20 minutes, or sometimes, unfortunately, maybe the entire classroom has to give a lecture on how to do things.
0: Yeah, yeah. I, well, I think that, that that kind of, there's a minimum on instruction. Yes. You know, it's, and particularly when you're talking about, not even so much in reading. You know, read the book. <laughs>
1: right, but if you're teaching how to find um, main ideas main or ideas, topics... Right. Or how it, to do skimming. And... Exactly. It will be interspersed with some student-focused activities, but then the teacher takes reins back and controls.
0: Right, right. And the depending on your classroom, you're going to have mixed success with, uh, with some of this. Some classrooms are just not, the students aren't mature enough or the situation is just not right for a student-centered environment. Because of any number of reasons, but somebody sometimes somebody gotta exert control. Exactly. Um, the the for me, it's more along the lines of writing that I find myself. Uh, well, and grammar, grammar instruction too, but uh, but when I when I'm teaching writing, I find myself going back to a very t- teacher centered uh, class. Right. Um. Primarily, it's it happens a lot more often when the uh, the students are lower level, as opposed to fairly well functioning students. Um, I think.
1: And give uh, some examples.
0: Um.
1: I'll throw you in the hot seat there.
0: Yeah. Thanks. I uh, can't think of any examples right now. <laughs> um, well, because the classes I'm teaching this semester are fairly high level, and so we're using a very Uh, Well, I'm using a very student-oriented version of it, um, the version of the class. So we walked in the first day. The rules, I gave them the rules for the class. Be here. Be on time. Do your work. Uh, Homework is due by midnight. Got to turn it in on the internet. Um, And then I stopped talking. And I'm like, okay, now ask me questions. And the students are like, well, what are we going to do? And I said, we're going to write. And went to the next student. They're like, "Oh, okay. Well, what are we going to write about?" I said, "That's up to you," Um, because I had an idea of how many articles I wanted them to write. I had an idea of. I kept them in a general topic, and our general topic is about Japan. But inside that topic, I gave them total freedom. They can write about absolute uh, ninety percent anything they want.
1: So you're you're doing the right approach with having the students uh, eliciting the questions from the students, mm-hmm. but is that still, is that student-centered or, because they're still focusing on you giving the answers and.
0: Well, this, in that particular, I mean, that's that was the first day of class. Okay. And so, yeah, there, there is some, you know, from me, from God to me to you that right. has to happen because I needed to lay out the rules. But um, ever since then, Uh, And I've told them, and uh, some students have a really hard time with this idea of you are going to learn, you know, turn and look at the person next to you. You You're going to learn more from them than you do from me. That is a student-centered class. And some traditional students, it's like you can see the pressure building in their head. It's going to explode because they don't know how to handle this. That's right.
1: I mean, a lot of it also does depend on who your students are. Um, Teaching in Morocco, wonderful language learners and just, in general, very independent thinkers. Um, And they're used to asking questions and having this kind of give and take. Mm -hmm. Whereas Japanese and Korean students, throughout their schooling, they're taught to listen listen and take notes, and you don't speak out in class. Yeah. And when you try to get them to speak out, sometimes you're, you're pulling teeth.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: And it's painful, and you can have the greatest student center activity, and it just flops, because, not because of anything you've done, but, and it's not necessarily their fault, it's just what they're conditioned to.
0: Right, right, and what they're used to, and what, what basically, the only thing they've seen come up to this level. Um, so yeah, so with this class, I'm giving them, you know, all the rope. There's the tree. Go hang yourself. Um, but with a beginning class, I'm going to do that much less. It's going to be, okay, let's write a sentence mm-hmm. so I can make sure that you can do that. Take a look at that and make sure, all right, can you, can you use articles well? Do you have subject verb agreement? Do you have, uh, what else did we say before?
1: Um, just any, a lot of agreement. Um, tense. Tense, agreement yeah. between two verbs in the same sentence, um, tense agreement within the paragraph, things like just capitalization.
0: Yeah, yeah. Um, and so, yep. I uh, <laughs> totally lost my train of thought. Um, but uh... Okay, sorry about that. We had to take a pause because the, uh, whoa, because the classes were letting out and uh, I had totally, and... t- totally lost my train of thought anyway. So um, if uh, for some reason we end up with uh, more background noise, uh, it's because we have students in the halls at this point. So all right, new topic. <laughs>
1: um, and now I just lost my train of thought of the new topic. So how much,
0: how much of uh, class should be student-centered and for, okay, we talked about conversation classes, should be basically student-centered. Right. Um, reading and writing classes kind of depends on the levels of the students. Um,
1: on, on higher levels, um, I'm happy, and this might be bad to say, but, you know, again, I'll throw it out there. Some classes I'm happy with a 50-50 mix. Mm-hmm. Um, at most classes, uh, 70% student-centered, 30% teacher-centered. Mm-hmm. Um is fine by me, and yeah. anywhere between 50 and 70, depending on what I'm trying to have them know.
0: Right, What? Uh, well, we have a lot of students here that are going overseas, so it's kind of a special circumstance, don't you think? I mean,
1: Exactly, um, even in the speaking listening classes, there are definitely times when it can be totally stu- uh, teacher-centered. If you want to give them a full-on lecture, 40, 50-minute lecture, to prepare them for what they'll be uh, witnessing <clears throat> and yeah. experiencing in the US. Yeah,
0: because once you get to the US, most universities um, are still doing 40-minute, uh, uh, you know, 50-minute classes, but it's 100% lecture. Or worse yet, I mean, you know, think back to your under, undergraduate degree. Um, how was your your first-year math class or, or first-year English class? Was it the huge, big?
1: Oh, yeah. yeah. Psychology was just 500 students. I yeah. mean, I was at UT, uh, Texas. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, the whole university is 47,000. So you have these 500, 600 student classes. And yeah. it's just uh, sit back and enjoy the ride. And hopefully you have an engaging professor
0: um, who makes the, the,
1: the time go by. Yeah. But, you know, I've had plenty of classes where I brought my pillow and just kicked back and fell asleep. I usually drool down the desk. I didn't, didn't bother <laughs> with the
0: pillow. Um, but yeah, so I mean, depending on which, where where you, the listening audience, where, what you're doing, whether you're, if you're in an Aikawa, um, if you're in a language school or a language institute, uh, and you're doing primarily conversation, you're not touching reading and writing at all, then you really need to be above 80%. Yeah, 80 to 90. If you're doing a writing class, Then it's gonna you gotta you gotta be able to be flexible enough to know know your students and know what they need to know, Um, which uh, brings us back to writing objectives, right? Which we should hit at some point.
1: But um, Um, going back to what Scott previously mentioned, it also depends on levels. I mean, you have a basic class, you can't set them free to do these kind of dialogues or something. You still have to. Lead them through it step by step.
0: You still have. There has to be a, a foundation, right, to be able to build, to be able, you know, to be able to build their own house on. For a weird little analogy, <laughs> um, but I mean, even <coughs> I had
1: uh, lower level classes last year, and I would try and beg them to participate more. Mm-hmm. Um, it was a reading writing class, but and. We are going to do this uh, topic next week or the week after that for skills-based um, integrated learning versus component learning. Mm-hmm. And um, even in a reading-writing class, there should definitely be speaking and listening, And but they just weren't at that level.
0: Right, right.
1: Or I was expecting too much, I don't know, but it just it wasn't working.
0: Right, right. That's not <clears throat> to say that... The class, any class should be 100% teacher or teacher centered. Right. Yeah. Right. Um, yeah, there's, there should be at least something that happens in the class where the students are interacting with each other. And, um, yep, and you are playing referee. You're exactly. just walking around to make sure that they're doing what they're supposed to be doing something in every class so that the students are at least getting used to this idea of learning from each other.
1: Exactly. Um, For example, in my reading class uh, a couple of weeks ago, we were doing looking for main ideas um, and specific details, things to that extent. And so you're having, you're doing drills, basically, Mm -hmm. giving them readings and they have to find the information. But I would always have them after they found the information to confer with their partners Mm -hmm. or in their groups, check their answers, discuss um, if there was any different answers, and there always were, Mm -hmm. um, why they chose that, Mm -hmm. what evidence they had to support the choice that they made. And that little task is giving them time to talk with each other, to support each other's findings, um, Mm -hmm. to argument, to compare and contrast, Things like that, and then I would bring it back to the whole class. Right. Um, but of course, I'm leading the whole class, so that right. shifts the focus back to the teacher.
0: Right. Yeah. It. You're. You're. I don't know. I, it sounds like you're guiding them. You're leading the class through the big steps, mm-hmm. but they're still doing the details. Yes. And so that's a good way to do it. Um, the two uh, theory points that I want to bring up at this point: um, William Glasser's Hierarchy, um, where you know you learn 10%. I wish I had the stupid paper with me. Uh 10% of what you read all the way down to 90% of what you teach, that's what is the students actually retain. Right. And um if you combine that with Bloom's taxonomy, where there are different levels for what skills are involved and stuff like that, are they are the students synthesizing the information? Are they are they just regurgitating the information um, you want to use the higher levels of Bloom's taxonomy as, as much as you can and you want to get the glass the Glasser's hierarchy in there to um, make sure that the students are uh, teaching each other Right. because the more they teach each other the more they're explaining whatever it is your ideas that you just gave them were the better they're gonna learn
1: their brains are processing the information and when that processing of the information is when actual learning takes place. Right. Because um, with with uh, is it Glassers or Bloom's? No, Glassers. Glassers. It's is there. lectures the worst form of teaching. Absolutely. It's the worst form of retention by the
0: students. Yep. And personally speaking, I I totally agree. I, every everything that I've done, whenever I've had to go back and explain it to somebody else, that's when I got it. All right because they'd be like, well, that sounds wrong. And I'd be like, you're right, that does sound wrong. So I'm gonna go back and take another peek at the book and uh, see if I can figure out another way to explain it.
1: An easy analogy, um, and it doesn't go into the teaching, but uh, painters, you can have a master painter tell you all about how to make a beautiful work of art, uh, but until you touch a uh, brush to canvas, you're not going to be able to uh, do anything.
0: Transfer that information exactly. to, to a skill. Mm-hmm.
1: And so language art is an art. And so it's the practicing and the discussion and the, the processing of uh, the information within your brain and using that, that's when the actual learning takes place. Mm-hmm. But we've digressed yep. a little. Well,
0: let's, uh, let's go back to uh, one of the things that I touched on before, um, student enjoyment. Okay. or student issues. Not necessarily student enjoyment, student, okay. student issues. Um, how do your students react to teacher-centered, teacher-centered classrooms?
1: They're used to it. I yeah. mean, that's all they've had. So actually, my IES, which uh, the intensive English pro, uh, class that I taught last year. Kind of like an honors class, yeah? Exactly. I would say I had about 80% um, student approval of the Mm -hmm. way I taught it. Mm -hmm. And that was having it more a a nice combination of student-centered, teacher-centered class. But I had one student that rebelled constantly because it wasn't the traditional way Mm -hmm. of how he learned.
0: Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm.
1: And so I always... yeah.
0: This has been been my biggest issue with uh, student-centered stuff. It's great. I have kind of devoted myself to making sure Pretty much everything that I do is student-centered, because <laughs> as a teacher, it alleviates a lot of work for me. Mm-hmm. I have to dec- I have to decide how the class is going to flow, and I have to make sure that I keep them on that path. But um, the students are generating everything. Um, but some students, one one I have in mind, um, really, really didn't like it. Uh, you know got very upset you know i'm here to learn from you i'm not here to learn from from my from the other people in this class i'm paying this money to make sure that for you to give me the information and put it in my head was what i was getting all right and uh, i you know tried to tell her that this is a new way to do it the other way is okay but if you're gonna compare how effective one style of teaching is versus another style of teaching, student-centered classes learn more. I can't back that up with the numbers because <laughs> I didn't study it ahead of time, didn't bring the numbers ahead of time, but at least that's what in and, and that's what everybody's told in the in the class in the exactly. teachers, teacher prep stuff.
1: Hopefully they uh, there are studies and there definitely are studies yeah. uh, check T so if anybody Quarterly has one or... of those please let me know but yeah they wouldn't this wouldn't be the new approach if they didn't have numbers to back it up mm-hmm. and uh, experiences and yeah. so forth yeah just think about how you learn languages if you're learning language yeah and the the, the standard the, the old way was grammar translation yeah and i say old but it's still in use yeah. in um Eastern European, uh, European countries, as well as uh, parts of Asia, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and so the biggest problem with Japanese and uh, Korean students, yeah, they've been reading and writing and doing grammar of English for right. since middle school, right? But they haven't spoken a lick of it, right? And right. they can't
0: speak it, right?
1: Or understand it because yep. they haven't been practicing that.
0: Yep, yep, and it takes a while to develop the ear. And, uh, you know, you run into the the pronunciation problems that right. way, too. Um, is this on topic? Sort of. It's related to the topic. Okay. Well, it's, it's well, okay, I'll bring it back to the topic. So, grammar translation is. Totally teacher-centered. S- totally teacher-centered. Um, because you have the teacher standing in front of the class, and the teacher is standing there saying, all right, I have all the information now open your book so you can see some of the information and then eat that information and puke it back up for everybody else to read and did you is is it the right color right what a great picture (laughs) um the, the way when i was going when i went through and did the my education degree my master's um they had a really elegant way of describing teacher-centered versus uh, versus student-centered. And uh, I, I've tried to find if I could figure out who actually said the quote first, but I haven't been able to do it. So if anybody out there knows, please let me know. Um, sage on the stage versus guide on the side. So teacher-centered stuff is sage on the stage. The all-knowing, all-wi- all-wise fount of knowledge is on the middle of the stage, in front of the class, showering spotlight down. on them. Yeah, shout, spotlight on them, showering down their wisdom and knowledge that they've had for all these years into your feeble brains, where it sifts through and some of it actually spouts out your mouth, as opposed to a uh, guide on the side, where the teachers off to the side and the students are actually developing and doing everything that they're supposed to be doing. Um, And when I'm in the classroom, I try to explain, look, the style of teaching that I have, the style of teaching that I do is not what you're used to. I want you to think of it like this. You're going to the Amazon. You're gonna go on a trip. You have one of two ways to decide how, and this kind of goes back to your painter analogy, how you're going to do this trip. Either you can have somebody who really knows the Amazon and you can sit in a room with them for two weeks And they'll tell you everything you absolutely need to know about the Amazon. And then you can go on your trip or you can take somebody who's pretty much as knowledgeable, just as knowledgeable to go with you and make sure that when that big hole that you're about to step step in is coming up, that you don't little hole, go ahead and fall in the little hole, make the mistake, go back from that. Yeah. And you'll and you'll probably pick that up a little bit better. Because you had to go back and figure out. All right, well, why did I figure? Why did I not know that that you know fish is not so tasty? Right. Oh, <laughs> uh, you know, but this fish over here is poisonous. And no, I'm not going to let you eat the poison. I'm not going to let you hurt yourself severely. But I'll let you get a, a scrape or a bruise um, because you'll learn from that. Well, it's kind of the same thing you do with a kid. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And that's what you do in the classroom.
0: Yeah. So the, the whole idea of sage on the stage versus guide on the side, it's a, it, it's a nice picture, I think.
1: We're in my speaking listening class now. Um, I think I mentioned it in previous uh, or one or so of them, um, doing filmmaking. Mm-hmm. And so we're watching uh, videos. If, if you want to learn videos, Izzy Video um, podcast is a great, great uh, podcast. But we're, we've been using that and information that I've gotten out of other uh, guerrilla filmmaking books and so forth. And so we show ex- I show examples and we talk about the examples. And then they go out and they do their filmmaking activities. And I received a complaint saying, well, why don't you tell me about everything? Um, all the, the, the mistakes that they can make or possibly uh, things like that. And I just show them examples of their work where things that I have talked about, and they make those mistakes. And I point it out to them, and I'm saying, well, look, I told you three or four different times um, about this mistake. Yet, student A still made that. But now he sees that he made that mistake, and he won't make that mistake again because he'll remember, oh, man, I don't want to do that. And... I'm gonna check for it.
0: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm.
1: And so until the students make those mistakes or they learn it for themselves, they're not going to really process the information. Right,
0: right. Yep, it's it's all about, well, and this is gonna head over towards discovery learning which is basically what we're talking about in these in that particular example, where you're <clears throat> working really using the content to teach the language. And it works well in a student-centered class, um, but it depends on the skill that you're trying, to, the the end skill that you're trying to get. Right. Now, the the film writing, film filmmaking group is it's not really a reading and writing class, yeah.
1: No, no, it's not. It's yeah. speaking, and listening,
0: mostly speaking and listening. So, um, <laughs> which brings me to another thing. We'll talk about a we'll we're gonna do a four skills class, and. Uh, or four skills class. Four podcast. skills podcast. Um, and uh, I will give you my theory that four skills are not separable at all. And so we'll have that big fight. Not separable.
1: Well, no. Hey, different we'll day. save that for next time. Different day. Yeah. Just throwing
0: it out there. So you got to come back and listen again. See, I'm
1: fighting already.
0: <laughs> Let's see. We're, we're about 30 minutes. So maybe about 10.
1: Okay. Um, it all... It all depends. Uh, Going back to different uh, skill, uh, let's say reading. Mm -hmm. Now, a lot of teachers around here are doing extensive reading, and it's a great thing. Mm -hmm. Um, There's different things you can do with it. You can have this, of course, have the students Mm -hmm. do the reading. Before you get too
0: far into it, what is extensive reading?
1: Okay, extensive reading is where students read um, maybe at their level or maybe a level below theirs, so that they're not worrying about new vocabulary and um, it's easy to understand, they're just reading for pleasure. Mm -hmm. uh, Under the premise that reading, just for pleasure's sake, um, builds knowledge and builds a greater desire to continue to read more difficult works. Mm -hmm. Am I right in that? Yep. Okay. And so, some teachers have their students just reading it and doing logs. And that's a good thing in itself. But other teachers are taking it a step. And in their classes, they'll have the students get into groups and talk about um, or introduce their books, what they like, what they didn't like, um, and activities like that, which takes it to a student-centered activity, student-centered classroom, where they're teaching the other students about their books, uh, what they liked about things like that. The shift is on them. Mm-hmm. And the teacher just walks around
0: and smiles and make sure. It's not just walking around and smiling. And that's what that's what the traditional in the students who really like the traditional things, that's what they see is they just see the teachers walking around drinking coffee, not doing anything. And that's not what's happening. I guess I touched on a sore point. <laughs> it's not what's happening. The teacher is making sure everybody's on task. They're not eating poison fish. They're not stepping <laughs> in big holes whatever your analogy's gonna be, so yes, there's a nerve in there. So, <laughs> make sure, yeah, so. See, I was even censored by the computer. That's right, but they can't hear it, so that's okay. Oh, okay. Um, but that's that's exactly, sorry. Go ahead
1: no that's good that's good
0: <laughs> but yeah it, it, it's it's not just walking around the classroom because you are paying attention to it's not what giving doing. yourself
1: a break and being able to read the newspaper while they're doing all yeah. the
0: work if you're if you're you know if you're one of those who are trying to use student-centered classrooms to you know get set the students on a task and then disappear for a half hour uh, shame on you because that's not what it's about um, you're you're not holding up your half of the bargain and in, in a student-centered classroom there's a real contract in there where the students agree to do what they got to do or what they're interested in and you got to be there to make sure that they don't screw themselves
1: now see wasn't it better that i made you get angry and tell about that point than if i just said it in a level way
0: that may, maybe
1: <laughs> i'm a get passionate i'm a genius all yeah. right um Final thoughts. Yeah, uh,
0: student-centered classrooms are the way to go. Um,
1: but it's it's not realistic 100 percent.
0: 100. No, not for not for most topics. Um, right. I think there there are some topics that are we agree on the conversation classes definitely. Um, I think I don't know for for the, we agree for the most part on uh, the reading and writing classes uh, somewhere between 50 and 70 percent. I push closer to closer to 70 but again depends on the level of the student um
1: and the material being presented and the
0: material being presented and what they have to get out of it i mean and again it goes back to what is the objective for the class are, are they there to write perfect sentences which is a terrible objective um that's a different rant sorry <laughs> um or you know what's what are the, what are you trying what are you trying to make sure that the students get out of that
1: right. It, yeah, it also. Well, that's the objectives, yeah. um, whether they're just learning the language in general or uh, specific points or to a certain level to be able to take part in mainstream native uh, classes mm-hmm. things to that extent. Mm-hmm.
0: Um, um, so but
1: no matter what you're, you're teaching or how you're teaching, there should be a healthy component of student centered activities within your teacher centered class.
0: Yes, yes. Um, even, even the most basic, I, I make a small differentiation between instruction and teaching. Instruction is, these are the steps that you must go through, and these are the only way to do it, and there's not really any way around it. Grammar is kind of one of those very highly structured, you, after you get past the first building blocks, then you can do student-centered stuff. But, but this is a noun, this is a verb these things are not so negotiable. Right. And so you have to be able to throw the definitions up. That's very teacher-centered. But uh, you can do student-centered activities after that.
1: Right. And there's smart ways to do teacher-centered classes and bad ways. Uh, Eliciting the information from the students is a smart way. You're still in control, but you're gleaning uh, the knowledge from them, you're making them process what you're talking about, think about the answers, and then give it to you instead of just saying, this is blah, 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 blah.
0: Right. And this that goes back to the Bloom's taxonomy, where you're getting the students to process stuff. Uh, How how often do you give students things in class? Like chunks of knowledge?
1: Everything I give them is knowledge. No, 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 no. How,
0: how much, how much, <laughs> how much, how much exposition do you give them in class? I mean, how many answers do you give? Um. Or do you make them ask the questions?
1: I'll I'll ask the questions, mm-hmm. um, but I try to get them to, to come up. Yeah. And if it's just totally dead, then. Yeah, yeah. Or I always have my um, ringers in there that yeah, I know yeah, that yeah. I can go to.
0: Yeah, that's, that's basically the same thing for me. I, I. Go out of my way to not give them a straight answer. Um, they'll ask me a question. I'll be like, "That's a great question. Who knows the answer?" And so it's it's student centered in that I'm controlling the class, but it's teacher it's wait teacher centered in that I'm controlling the class, but it's student centered in that the students are learning. F- I'm not giving them the information. If they're wrong, I'll, I'll make I'll correct it but I'm not, I'm not saying this is the answer. Right, and that's where
1: um, having them work in pairs or yes. groups before you elicit the answers yes. so that they can teach each other and also it gives them the confidence to know that their classmates agree with them so then they think they, they're right, even right. though they may be wrong. Yeah. But they, they get the confidence to voice their opinion in the class which a lot of students are afraid or too shy to do. If you just call on them straight
0: on. Yep, absolutely, absolutely. So. Um,
1: so to to cap up, student center. Good. good. Teacher Santa. Bad. bad. <laughs> but it's not a hundred percent. Okay.
0: Yeah. Oh, there's the ending. Thank thank <laughs> the music guy. So thank you, music guy. Um. <laughs> oh yeah, the actual one. All right. Uh. Thank you very much to. Uh, hold on. So yeah, you can to actually uh, it Mark at over at podcastthemes.com for making this uh, podcast theme available to us without taking any of our money. we really appreciate it, and we'd give you money if we could.
1: If anyone is out there who is m- musically inclined and would love to give us an original uh, theme music, we would love that, and we will plug you every single week.
0: Yeah, well he said. <laughs> in a good way. In a good way. <laughs> um, so, yeah, if you have uh, if you're a budding artist and we happen to like what you send us, we'll be happy to use it. Peace.
1: Education.org. Um, yeah. Our emails are there and uh,
0: Show notes will be up and uh, probably the show notes for the last show will be up sometime after this show goes up and then the show notes for this show will go up. So Everyone, thank you take very care. much. Peace.